It's the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me is Richard Benson, a.k.a. Benno. And uh, sadly, Ollie can't be with us this week. And Benno, it's been um, an interesting couple of weeks in, in UK wrestling, hasn't it? But um, outside of that, uh, what have you been up to uh, since we last spoke? Uh, not a huge amount. I've kind of, I've become, I've noticed that in myself that like everything I seem to do in a weekend now involves wrestling. So I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to branch out and find other hobbies. I went to a gig on Sunday. I haven't been to a, a concert in quite a while. I went on my own, which was a bit weird. Like I, I don't really, it's funny when I go to wrestling shows, I'll go by myself and not think twice about it. Mm. I think part of that's the fact that in Brit Res, you're going to, you're going to bump into somebody, you know, at a show, aren't you? Especially you know, with us knowing all the podcasters, listeners, yeah. or people on Twitter, that type of thing. But yeah, I went to a gig on my own and kind of forgot that, yeah, I was going to go there and just be watching a band by myself. But it was kind of cool. I didn't have someone talking in my ear, you know, <laughs> interrupting the band. I didn't have someone to save my spot if I went to the toilet. That was one negative. But yeah, it was kind of, yeah, I was thinking, I think I'd just imagine the bed. It'd be like wrestling. I'd get there and I'd know somebody. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's one of those things. I think it's is it socially acceptable? It's all right to go to a gig or the cinema by yourself. I've done that too. Um, I'm not sure because it's kind of like as you get older, I think you become less bothered about these things, don't you? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of the other people looking at me, thinking who's that weird guy in the corner on his own. I don't think I was the only one. It was one of those things. I was supposed to go with my girlfriend, and she got called away to a work thing, and I saw a dude on Twitter selling a ticket. It was for a bank or why that I quite. Like. And last minute, I was just like, I'll just buy one. I'll just go. And it was fine. It was cool. I'm going to maybe spend some more me time doing stuff like uh, Maybe that's a good a break from the, the grind of uh, constantly going to wrestling shows. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I just said, I think as you get older, you're less bothered. And plus, when you're at gig, you can't really talk anyway unless you're screaming into the person's ear. So. <laughs> yeah, it's the perfect, uh, yeah, perfect outlet for something like that. Um, so we've got a bunch of things to talk about this week and um, we'll be looking back at um, Fight Club Pro, the eighth rule of Fight Club and it's been a while since we uh, checked them out and um, this came after a week of shows in London at the end of August and uh, culminated in, in in this show which was held at the Starworks Warehouse in Wolverhampton on the 31st of August and uh, and Benno, uh, do you actually remember what the eighth rule of Fight Club was? I don't, uh, I knew obviously it was a reference to the film, embarrassingly I'd forgotten the project mayhem is actually a reference to the film as well but no i don't remember what the rule was yeah it's been a while since i watched the film and i had to google it and apparently it's the final rule and that's been that if it's your first night you have to fight so i guess that was uh, ah. in some kind of reference to uh sekimoto was making his debut on this show so it's like the opposite of the progress rule then where you've got to buy everyone around allegedly yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I suppose they could uh, sort of like enforce that on the first few shows, but not really anymore, <laughs> can they? <laughs> Indeed. And um, yeah, and as I just alluded to there, I mean, this was headlined by a monster match between a uh, former three-time Big Japan World Strong Heavyweight Champion, Daisuke Sakamoto, making his uh, second only appearance in the UK. His first being for XWA last year, where he faced off against Keith Lee, but this time around he was taking... Tyler Bay, and I mean, the first noticeable thing about this match, Benno, was the size difference between these two is quite striking, wasn't it? Not in terms of height, but in terms of muscle mass. Oh, God, yeah. It was kind of just like you could just... In my head, I didn't think there was that much of a difference, but yeah, as soon as they stood next to each other, you could just see it, couldn't you? You could just... Again, he just looks like it, it's it's both in height and in width, isn't it? There's just something altogether much bigger about uh, Daisuke. Yeah, definitely, and um, he used that size to his advantage because, I mean, he bossed bait for the majority of this match, uh, sort of stretching him with Boston Crabs and abdominal stretches, slamming him, slamming him around the ring like a ragdoll, and uh, he's seemingly absorbing any of Bates' offense. Uh, I mean, Tyler did make a great comeback. I mean, there was a great visual seeing Sekimoto up in the aeroplane spin, but then that was countered with a, a torture rack um, from Sekimoto on bait. Um, the ending saw bait uh, finally taking a uh, dice off his feet and finally getting the pin with a spiral tap. Um, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable match here. I don't think it'll be bothering anyone's uh, match of the year candidates, uh, but it was sort of your classic David Gear Goliath, wasn't it, Benno? 
yeah, like you say, they, they paid that size difference really well into the match, and there was lots of stuff with Tyler being unable to to move Daisuke, and Daisuke almost treating him like a young boy at times with the Boston Crabs and stuff. But yeah, I think I'd, I'd echo your thoughts that I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it, it felt like maybe it needed maybe an extra the finish like you mentioned there being the spiral tap I, I almost felt like it needed maybe one extra kick out or yeah. something like that I know that's not typical of of Daisuke but I think it needed something like that to, to put it over the top and be something that I'd heartily recommend to people I thought it was a, a good enough match it was I mean when it was we talked about it on this show didn't we when it became obvious that, that Walter was going to be away at WXW doing the, the progress shows uh, on this weekend this is probably as big as a match they reasonably could have done. Mm. I was actually surprised that Tyler wasn't out in Germany as well. Um, but at the same time, it didn't feel like there was a, a huge response for, for Daisuke when he came out. It felt like during the match there was a lot of... Maybe it's me watching it on VOD rather than being there. It just felt like there was lots of chatter in the background. Yeah. And there were responses to some of the big spots. You know, mentioned that the airplane spin there. There was a big response when Tyler did that and when he finally got the, the Birdie Lariat to work. But yeah, it was kind of, I don't know, the atmosphere wasn't up there in, in kind of what you'd expect from a big quote-unquote dream match. And yeah, the match itself didn't seem to to go to, I don't know, that, that next level, that next gear um, that maybe it would need. Just a, a very good match, but and, and probably the match people would would buy this VOD for. But yeah, not, a, not an excellent match by any means. Not exactly, I wouldn't go above four stars for it. I think there was some dueling chance at the start, weren't they? But obviously this was Tyler Bate country, wasn't it? So, you mm. know, it was mainly for him and especially with uh, Sakamoto having most of the offense, you know, everyone was going to be uh, rooting for Tyler to make his big comeback. But um, I suppose it's what's interesting about Fight Club Pro. I was trying to think other than sort of like a WrestleMania weekend, maybe, or a WWN super show. I don't think you should find this match anywhere else, could you? Yep, that's it. Yeah, I was thinking that like Daisuke against a, a WWE contracted guys are hardly going to be there. I can't imagine him being someone Progress will bring in. And yeah, Tyler, there's you know certain places he can't work as well. So yeah, it, it's it's a unique match that the yeah, Fight Club Pro are in a a weird position, aren't they? If they went you know owned slash you know partway run by the likes of Trent Tyler and and Pete Dunn, uh, they probably wouldn't be able to to put these types of matches together. So it works for them being able to do it. And it looked, the building itself looked a, a bit busier than it did the last uh, Fight Club Pro VOD that I watched as well. So a worthwhile endeavor. And yeah, something different when you're seeing a lot of the same matches uh, across Brit Res and uh, across indie wrestling in general. So um, obviously Sakamoto is quite a special attraction here. And obviously he's been over for WXW a number of times, um, sort of like in the past 10 years. Um, um, do you think sort of like he's someone who the fans will be clamoring for to have back? Or do you think he's too much of a niche sort of Japanese wrestler for uh, a lot of people? Um, I think he's... It, it, that's the thing. It's like, even for me, I mean, I don't watch All Japan. I don't think many people watch All Japan. Uh, we know his his reputation. I can remember seeing tapes of him in Big Japan when he was coming up. And he, he, always, he he's somebody people, I think, are, are aware of rather than, you know, directly have knowledge of. But, you know, that didn't... I think Miko Setamura being the Fight Club Pro champion. Yeah. I mean, she's probably someone who, who came into Fight Club Pro with a lot of fans not knowing who she is. And I do think that there's mileage there. Like I say, they couldn't do the the Walter match here with him. Um, so you could do that in future. Maybe now that the you know fans who weren't familiar with him in the past will be a lot more familiar with him now, having this Tyler Bate match. So maybe that would be a bigger deal. I know they've wrestled in the past. They did that thing in uh, Evolve this year, and you know a few years ago in WXW as well. But that's a fresh uh, match that they could yeah. they could do as well. So I think there's there's things you can do with him. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say he's you know on that next level of super dream match that uh, that people are going to go crazy for. So, other highlights from this card were the opener, uh, the Bruiser Mates, Millie McKenzie and Pete Dunn, uh, were joined by Trent Seven to take on the Rascals, Damon, sorry, Desmond Xavier, Zachary Wentz and Trey Miguel, and this was a usual fun opener from Fight Club Pro, where Millie McKenzie was formed a sort of a one-way friendship with Pete Dunn, uh, changed their usual entrance music to the uh, theme tune from Friends, uh, much to the disgust of the uh, WWE UK champion as he threw his jacket at her. And uh, so lots of comedy in this one, wasn't there? Lots of slick high-flying from the Rascals. I think they're quite underrated when it comes to our smooth, um, a lot of their high-flying offenses. Uh, suicide dives galore, and the ending saw uh, Xavier take a Canadian destroyer from Millie P and Trent before he in the pinfall and uh, 
Yes, I noted there's usual sort of like Fight Club pro opener, lots of things going on. And uh, it's interesting seeing Trey Miguel because obviously Xavier and Wentz have been over here a bunch of times now, but he's a, a new face and a new name to me. And he seems to be someone they've taken under his wing being his first time in the UK here. Yeah, I saw there. Uh... Xavier and, and Wentz had, had put a had kind of said that they, they see Fight Club Pro as their home away from home. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see them back over and yeah, bringing bringing him over with them. Um, it, he he kind of he fits the trio uh, and he works for a for a match like this. I think uh, being in a, on a team with Benson and Xavier is just perfect as well because they've they're two wrestlers who've gotten so much better since you know the, I think the first time I saw them a few years maybe 2013 14. You know, seeing them do, they, I mean, they're still spotty wrestlers, but I think since, you know, doing Dragon Gate and, and hooking up with Seema, they've got so much better. And he's someone who looks like he's got a lot of potential there to, to get better as well. And yeah, it's kind of, it again, it's a little bit different. It's Fight Club Pro scene to have these hookups with, you know, indies uh, stateside where they can bring guys over like this. And you might think, well, are these three really worth the flying? But it offers something different to the cards. And yeah, they seem to be, they're obviously uh, coming back in future as well. So that really works. And yeah, they, I think all three worked as a, you said it was the typical Fight Club Pro opener. And that's what it was. Lots of comedy, lots of Trent trying to do lucha and just generally <laughs> doing a lot of comedy with falling over and being able to, to get himself back up and, and, the other team, you know, the, the Rascals side doing all of the flying um, and giving you that side of the, the match as well, which all three are, are so accomplished that. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, if you wanted to show somebody, you know, what Fight Club Pro is in a nutshell, it's this match. It's, you know, interesting indie guys that you don't see everywhere. A bit of comedy from Trent and, and yeah, Pete and Millie. Millie being so good in that little sister role, um, doing the Friends gimmick and coming out, like you say, to the uh, to the Friends theme song as well. Um, yeah, it was very much Fight Club Pro this match, but yeah, just a really a really nice opener and a, and a good way to start the card. Yeah, I've been enjoying, enjoying their... Uh, they've been doing it for a couple of months now, haven't they? This bruiser mm. mates thing where she's obviously wanting to be, you know, his, his mate and everything, and he's just disgusted with it, but he'll go along with it for the sake of wrestling a match. <laughs> <laughs> It's brilliant, yeah. It really is. I think uh, Pete's kind of Pete Dunn's good at you know doing that. He had the he kind of had the the same. Uh, he's had that same dynamic, hasn't he, with a, a few people over the years. Um, and he's just someone who, yeah, he plays well as being the serious the serious guy to say Trent Sev- Seven's comedy. Um, but he can also do yeah have a really good wacky pair and like this with Millie McKenzie. So yeah, it's a good way of uh, using them both on shows and maybe not uh, taxing in uh, Pete's body too much and doing and giving away too many singles matches um, i noted earlier leading into the show fight club pro well three consecutive shows in london and part of these shows was uh, a stars of the future tournament which was won by scotty davis who has been really impressing in uh, ott over in ireland and uh, and on this show he was introduced uh, by martin zaki one of the co-owners of fight club pro and um he was interrupted by fellow Irishman Jordan Devlin, who said he would take Davis under his wing and show him how British fans can turn on you and start body shaming you. Of course, he was referring to the crowd chants <laughs> about his about Devlin's large head. And uh, Davis took the mic off him and said he could see why the fans turned on him for his arrogant attitude and large head. And obviously, this then led into a match between the two with a. Uh, Davis uh, really becoming a hit with the crowd here in some great dives on Devlin before Devlin hit a massive headbutt on him for the pinfall. Um, another enjoyable match here, Benno, and great to see Davis being uh, used on these shows and getting over with the crowd here. Yeah, it's kind of when I, when I saw the news coming out that, that yeah he was the one who'd won and he, he was getting this opportunity. It, it made sense because you know we were raving uh, about that match on the OTT show, the uh, the six man on our last show. Um, he's someone who just I think. He's not all there yet. It, this match, like you said, was very much a showcase for him. So he got a lot of his flying and his kicks and lots of creative stuff. Um, some of it works, some of it doesn't. You know, thinking of things like that rolling fisherman he does and, you know, hopping in and out of the ring. And he's at that stage of, of development as a wrestler where he's doing whatever he can to stand out, isn't he? And when he's in there with somebody that he knows really well, like a, like a devil and who, who 
did really good in the bully role. I've not seen him do that a lot, and I thought he was good. But you've, I think, Scotty Davis is is just willing to do anything to get himself over right now. So he's, you know, taking silly bumps for for Jordan Devlin and flying all over the ring to to get over Devlin as the heel as well. Um, so yeah, I thought a good showing for him and. Again, you know, maybe the talk of, of this show is, again, giving Fight Club Pro something different. Scotty Davis isn't someone you're going to see in absolutely everywhere yet. Um, so it's good to get in on the ground floor with him, isn't it? And uh, and put him in showcase at matches like this. Uh, I was a little bit maybe negative on the, the Jordan Devlin head stuff. Is mm. <laughs> It was funny 18 months ago. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Fight Club Pro fans just will not let it go. Um I mean, I know Devlin plays into it, and like you say, it played into the finish as well with the with him using the massive headbutt, which is something he's been doing in Fight Club Pro. Uh, but I'd rather, I don't know, I'd rather see him in a in a higher, I don't know, class role, or you know, maybe something not so comedy based, because we all know how good Jordan Devlin is, and he should be, you know, the crown jewel of a. If he's going to be over in the UK, a lot of a of a British promotion as well as being the the crown jewel of OTT as well. Um, so I'd like to see him higher up in the car, but. No, a, a good match for Scotty Davis and and a good way to to show him off, which is really the the point of the whole thing. Yeah, it still seems that you you know those um, obviously them big head chants and um, you know shit Finn Balor haven't quite sort of dissipated yet, have they? You know, and mm. it's it's kind of like you know he's you know he's having a better in ring year than uh, than Finn Balor certainly. So it's like you know you kind of wish those had, had completely disappeared now, especially when he's coming over to the UK. Yeah, that's it. We all know he's got so much more to offer. Uh, it's probably just a, it's a fun thing to chant when you're drunk, isn't it? And mm. and get on his back. Uh, but yeah, hopefully at some point it dissipates and we get a more a more serious one in him in Fight Club Pro because yeah, there's plenty of things you could do with him. Uh, any other highlights from the show for you? Uh, Kyle Fletcher and Omari was was solid. Um, it was interesting seeing Kyle Fletcher working as a heel. I don't know what you made of him. He was kind of he was doing a lot of mean mugging, wasn't he? And, and mm. wrenching holds. I think. You probably have to do have to lay it on thick. I mean, we've just talked about the Fight Club Pro car, you know, crowds. They're they're, they're going to be naturally wanting to chill Kyle Fletcher, so I think he has to go the extra mile to make sure he gets he gets heel heat. Um, I, I was listening to the the, the two Andes podcast, uh, A Squared, uh, the, the Rev Pro guys, and they were talking about how to how to be a good heel in wrestling at this point. You've almost got to be the fans have almost got to like you enough that they play along, and that's yeah. kind of the role <laughs> that I think. Kyle Fletcher and this entire Schadenfreude uh, gimmick, you know, Chris Brooks is, is very similar as well. Uh, I think the fans want to cheer Kyle Fletcher, but they're, they're willing to go with it because, you know, they want to see him do well. Um, so, yeah, I thought there was a lot of that in the match. Uh, it did turn into a, a bit of a shootout indie match towards the end, that uh, weird pile driver powerbomb combo that Kyle does that he kind of landed Omar in his own legs wasn't the the best look going into the finish, um, but I thought it was a solid match all in all, a, a good showing for Kyle and yeah, Omari again in his his natural role as underdog babyface. So yeah, I thought that was a another uh, positive. I don't know what uh, what you made of him, what you think of uh, Kyle Fletcher as a heel yourself. Well, it's certainly an interesting uh, role for him, isn't it? And it's something that Fight Club Pro try and do, isn't it? You know, what they're, what they're doing in other promotions, they'll try and flip it and make them sort of like do mm. something different. And it's all good experience for him, isn't it? You know, considering, it, you know, especially teaming with Mark Davis as Aussie Open, they are always the, uh, you know, the babyface in every promotion. So it's something a bit different. But uh, going back to what you were saying about, you know, the crowd have got to respect you, enough to boo you sort of thing or like you enough to boo you if you're if you're working as a heel either that or you've got to be josh bodum i think haven't you <laughs> yeah <laughs> one extreme or the other isn't it <laughs> and um fight club pro are going to be back at the end of september with two project mayhem shows uh featuring a stack lineup they've got strong hearts the rascals flamita and bandido walter miko satamora and the usual fight club pro roster uh, and you could make quite the weekend with those two Fight Club Pro shows in Wolverhampton on the Friday and Saturday, and then the Progress show at Wembley on the Sunday, couldn't you, Benno? I mean, they've certainly stacked uh, stacked the lineup for those two, haven't they? Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I think it, for me, if it was on another weekend, I think I'd be more tempted, because right now, if I'm doing anything that weekend, I'm probably, for my sins, going to be doing, going down to Progress. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely put a good uh, argument out there. I don't think Seema wasn't amazing when he was last in, in Fight Club mm. Pro, but you know that that tag they put together the strong arts and the rascals you know we were just raving about the rascals they got a match with uh, you mentioned flamita and bandido that's another match on that weekend as well there there are matches that do 
tempt me and make me want to come out for it. Um, so, yeah, they, they put something interesting on there. It's just, yeah, these big shows are coming so thick and fast, aren't they? You just, you can't get to everything. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly tempting. And, yeah, watching that last show on VOD did make me uh, miss the place a little bit. So if I don't make the trip for this one, I'm, I'm sure I will soon. Uh, moving away from Fight Club Pro and on to World of Sport and episode eight, and it as it draws to the end of its uh, ten episode run, and uh, this aired last Saturday, and it featured a pretty good mixed tag match between uh, real live couples, as they kept reminding us over and over again, uh, <laughs> B Priestley and Will Osprey taking on Stevie Boy and Kaylee Ray, and. Everyone looked good in this one, but it was definitely the Osprey show, wasn't it? Hitting, uh, you know, six or nines, landing on his feet from a Stevie Boy top rope, Hurricane Rana, taking a reverse Rana from Kaylee Ray, and uh, eventually picking up the win with a Stormbreaker on Stevie Boy. And uh, a really enjoyable match, I thought, here, Benno. Definitely, yeah. It's great to see that, yeah, uh, that Lucha and Lucha Forever, Mr. and Mrs. Tournament finally getting off the ground, eh? Uh, Will Ospreay finally get this. <laughs> I was thinking this that, yeah. <laughs> Doing Mr. They didn't even, I was thinking that they'd say that outright, that it was a Mr. and Mrs. match, but they didn't. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was really, it felt different, didn't it? I mean, I don't really, I'm not a fan of intergender matches in general, but I was kind of watching it thinking, yeah, it's got legs. This kind of, I could imagine, you know, if a, a full full ITV season of Mr. and Mrs. tag team wrestling matches with backstage talking head promos bickering about who left the toilet seat up and other uh, <laughs> marital issues. I could see it happening, but in all seriousness, I kind of, for me, it felt like the match of the series, at least of what I've seen. I mean, we've not been going into great detail have we on the on the shows because there's not been a huge amount to yeah. speak of there was there's a show a couple of weeks where i was stuck for time and i knew we weren't reviewing it so i tried to watch it on one and a half speed that was a mistake um, <laughs> it's already hard enough to keep up with bloody hell i was gonna say with those camera cuts i bet you were, i bet you were almost having an epileptic fit didn't you <laughs> in some ways though it didn't make a huge amount of difference i still couldn't tell what was going on so it was kind of the same as watching a normal show um but this was a show where you know i'd, I'd seen people raving about it and i thought i need to sit down and watch it and, and part of it was this match i think they do you know i know osprey he lost in the in week one didn't he but i think they do present him as a star mm. i thought stevie boy looked good in there as well kind of going move for move with osprey and the editing was still a shame wasn't it there were bits where it was a b Priestley did a kick to kaylee ray's head and they showed a couple of bored people in the crowd and then mm. there was a i think later there was a strike exchange wasn't there between the men where again they showed those same bored people in the crowd. Yeah, for, I was wondering about that. Seconds. I don't, I didn't know if it was because you know they, they were too, you know, they were doing elbows to the, you know, the temple or something, and so, they didn't yeah. want to show it. It was like watching, you know, when you used to watch the Raw repeat on Sky, yeah. it'd be on before the watershed, and they'd show the same fan in the crowd in a DX chair from 1997, <laughs> hold the sign up, but you're watching like a 2004 SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of the vibe I got watching it. So that took away from it a little bit. It did feel like the crowd noise was a little bit piped in. It felt like, I mean, someone could maybe correct me, but it did feel like the crowd were maybe a bit tired. Maybe it was the end of a long taping, mm. but... As far as memorable matches from the season, like I said, I don't want to do it down because I do think it was it was really good, really memorable, really good spots in there, like you say, with the reverse runner and Stevie Boy looking good, both women getting to look good. Uh, there was no man-on-woman violence. There was some woman-on-man violence that they got away with um, and some cool double teams with Osprey and B Priestley doing the cheeky Fernando's kick, as they <laughs> call it on yeah. this show. Um, and it felt like as well, another note I was that the, the replays were better. Like, uh, I, I don't know if this, it doesn't carry across the whole show, but it felt like they weren't just replaying, you know, Osprey standard on the apron. It was when he'd do something cool, like yeah. do a dive to the outside or dive off the top and land on his feet. That's the type of stuff they were replaying. So it maybe some positive notes for the production there as well. But yeah, if, if you're like uh, a lot of people and you've been skipping ITV World of Sports, other than this as well, I just thought it was a really strong episode match i think people should uh it's worthwhile checking out yeah i think yeah i noticed that as well that um obviously we discussed um on previous shows about the uh replays being of stuff that aren't that interesting and um yeah and in this one they replayed all the you know big moments like osprey landing on his feet off that uh hurricane runner and things like that yeah so some slight improvements and uh the rest of the show were uh, sort of like featured robbie x finally unmasking the <laughs> monster crater uh to not much reaction and uh an announcement from uh stew bennett that next week's penultimate episode will feature a 
a match with the entire roster and the winner getting the title shot against Rampage Brown. So, uh, I mean, what did you make uh, of the rest of the episode, Benno? Interesting how they built up a crater and, uh, and it's Robbie X who gets to unmask him. It was like, yeah, it wasn't exactly Kendo Nagasaki, was it? Mm. Uh, I mean, that's a story, like, if you speak to any older relatives about British wrestling, like, at least in my family, maybe it's a Northwest thing, I don't know if it's the same for you, but they always talk about Kendo Nagasaki. Yeah. And they were, I think maybe we've had this conversation before. They always think they were the, they were in the building the one time that Kendo Nagasaki <laughs> got unmasked. So yeah, he was, he was doing that pretty much every show uh, on a loop for years on end. Um, yeah, it wasn't exactly that, was it? Yeah, it was just, <laughs> it was a bit odd. Yeah, that, that it was, yeah, I expected, yeah, I thought that where we were going was that Robbie X was going to get unmasked because we all know what he looks like anyway. I mean, if you're in the Northwest, you know what Crater looks like also. Yeah. But, I could imagine that, that, that he, he could go without it. But yeah, to do it to to Crater was a bit odd. Uh, and he didn't even really unmask it. He it was kind of like, you could, they got like a glimpse of his face and then he, he ran off into, into the night. It was all a bit cheesy. I think it was maybe, again, somebody in the ideas room was like, oh, let's do a, a Kendo Nagasaki thing. And it just didn't really work in execution. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've seen Crater get some really rough reviews and I've seen him as Alex Cyanide over the years and he can go. He is a good base for for flyers and the like, like he was here for Robbie X in parts. But the the act he's doing on ITV is very very broad. It, it's big guy again. It's a it's a flashback to the to the uh, world of sport of old, uh, which doesn't always work. But yeah, I, th- I thought it was a solid enough match, if not you know amazing. But yeah, I think as a as a show as a whole, I think. Like I say, that, that Osprey tag was great. And I did think that uh, Yeston Rees and uh, David Boy Smith Jr. Um, announced as Great Britain's very own. Yeah, they've done that, done that last time as well, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> What's that about? I mean, it, yeah, there's a bit of a, a confusion in the brand in there with him. But that was a match where I was watching it thinking my big criticism, well, one of my many big criticisms has been they cram so much into these shows. They don't need to be four-match shows. I think three would be enough. And this was the one match looking at it. I was like, ah, you didn't really need that. But actually, I thought it was it was really good. I think they, they really got the crowd into it, and it, it felt like a, a solid kind of main event level match, you know, the number one contender kind of level match. And yeah, yeah, Yeston Rees losing as the, the tag champ was a little bit odd. Um, but yeah, DBS Jr. is kind of a, a bit of a, they're trying to push him, like you say, as Great Britain's very own and as a star. So I understand where they're going there. And yeah, I thought, thought that was strong too. So yeah, I think of the episodes uh, that I've seen, and I've seen pretty much the majority of it, I did think this was possibly, possibly the strongest. Yeah, I thought it was a strong episode, and uh, some of the episodes have um, have been stronger in the, in the past couple of weeks. Um, there's certain things that you see is working, but then there's a lot of things that aren't working, and uh, the rosters is one of the things they've got working for them. So, you know, obviously we know last time around that the uh, times had changed from 5pm to 4.30pm, and then this week's episode had changed uh, to 4pm at the last minute, and then... The changes haven't finished there as episode 9 this week has been moved to 2.30pm in the afternoon. I mean, all these uh, time slot changes don't uh, really show that much faith from ITV. I mean, from the outside looking in, Benno. Yeah, I think they're, they're worried about uh, what BBC have got on offer on Saturday nights, yeah. I think. And, Especially uh, with Doctor Who coming back, which smashed their last uh, look at wrestling, didn't it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I think they're just trying to quietly move it down the schedule a little bit yeah they, i think it's not helping though is it i mean this uh, i described it as the best episode i've seen but it only did 0.3 million which is a it is a big dip from you know episode one to now um it's short notice as well though isn't it it's not like going in you, you, you they they advertise it heavily the week before we're going to be 4 p.m next week yeah so there's probably people missing it there is the they're doing late night replays as well aren't they um yeah. that they're kind of pushing on a sunday morning replay as well so you know maybe people are watching on those i've not seen the numbers for them but yeah 0.3 isn't great half two and a saturday isn't great either you know running head to head with the likes of only fools and horses reruns uh, <laughs> not exactly a, a vote of confidence is it uh, but at the same time they're allowing it to finish out they're still heavily pushing the tour it, it feels like somebody you know behind the scenes at ITV is, has taken a liking to it because yeah. why else would it be continuing on um, and they are going to continue to push it so at least that's a positive. 
Yeah, I mean, um, it seems that well, from a lot of rumours we've heard that um, a second series is locked in. I mean, what do you think a second series is need? Do you think, like, uh, some more time to try and uh, flesh out some more of the characters? Do you think um, a second hour, if it was on one of the smaller ITV channels, like uh, ITV uh, 3 or 4? Because, I mean, ITV 4 is, is their main base for sport, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's whether it's worth spending the money, though, isn't it, for a property you're going to put there? I mean, I don't know how much they're spending, but I think it stays on ITV just in a worse time slot. Um, I wouldn't go with two hours. I think you'd just get two hours of the same. I think yeah. an hour is perfect. You just need to, like I say, one less match an hour. Is that too much to ask? Or <laughs> you could do shows with two matches and lots of, like you say, the, the Mr. and Mrs. idea before. Lots of. I think it just needs more character pieces, doesn't it? I know we probably sound like a broken record at this point, but that would... <laughs> That would really help, wouldn't it? You know, more of that, uh, more like I say, more talking heads, more interviews, uh, and again, but yeah, more reason to invest in the characters. And yeah, surprising for me to say about a wrestling show, but maybe less wrestling matches, or at least the, you know the wrestling matches that you do, give them a little bit more time and. Yeah, also give the wrestlers a heads up that you can't actually do headshots because we're going to cut it right out of the show. <laughs> uh, they're the types of teething problems, aren't they, that you cut out in a season two. And uh, I think they've had they hopefully heard everyone shouting from the rooftops about the editing. So hopefully they could improve those things as well for a season two as well. It's, it's good for the people involved. It's, it's, it's work. It's on TV. Um, and it looks like it's going to be on ITV for a second season. So yeah, hopefully it does work out for all people involved. But yeah, if you, if you did look, just look at those pure numbers, you'd be, you'd be quite surprised that it's happening, but yeah, sounds like it is. Yeah, well, it's interesting because obviously leading into it, they had a lot of crossover, didn't they? They had a few of the wrestlers on um, a variety of uh, sort of ITV like morning shows and things like that. But then, you know, after that, they didn't really have any crossover with any other ITV programs. It seems there's been more WWE wrestlers on other ITV hmm. programs than there have been World of Sport. I mean, I know Roman Reigns was on uh, like Good Morning Britain or whatever recently. And it's like, you know, why are you giving all that time to stuff like that when you should be sort of focusing in more on your guys? I'm not saying having them on week on week, mm-hmm. but, you know, certainly have more crossover yeah. for people like that. I mean, so like, you know, some, you know, trash like Loose Women. So, like, <laughs> yes, you know, a Kip Sabian would be perfect on that, wouldn't he? Uh, the Loose Women fans are going to be writing in their complaints now, Martin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, though, yeah, it would make sense, wouldn't it? And it, it is odd if they are behind it and they are wanting to push this tour that they're doing next year and, and continue on to a second season that they haven't been more behind it. I think with you know a big company like ITV, it's uh, probably more a case of the left hand doesn't know what the right is doing and you know, the people who are booking the WWE guests are probably completely separate from whatever's, you know, going on here. But it does make sense, doesn't it, to an outsider? And it does. It, everything about it feels like it just needs, you know, that that somebody overseeing it to step in and say, hang on. You know, we need to put a bit more promotion behind it. We need to be a bit more consistent in what we do and get our guys on our shows if we are going to carry on for season two. So, yeah, that's that's hopefully something again. They can maybe if they're not going to do it this season, at least do something, do a bit more of that in the in the run up to a potential season two and uh, potentially to that tour. Yeah, and like I said, uh, Russ, you know, the rosters are mostly fine. There have been some real good highlights, uh, mainly involving Martin Kirby and Will Ospreay, so it will be interesting to see uh, what they do um, moving forward if they do get a Series 2. And uh, moving away from ITV, and uh, last time around we previewed the first ever Wrestling Media Con held at the Bowlers Exhibition Centre on the 8th and 9th of September. Uh, featured uh, the second British J Cup from Red Pro, a show from Impact Wrestling, uh, a Wrestling Media Con Hall of Fame, appearances by uh, Pat Patson, a whole host of other things. And Benno, you went down for the full two days, and uh, what were some of the highlights, and what was the weekend like as a whole? It was, I mean, <laughs> I've got some negative to say about the con as a whole, but I will say, as far as wrestling weekends go, I had as good a time as I think I've had going, mm. you know, spending a couple of days somewhere and it wasn't the ideal place to spend a couple of days because it is anyone who went would tell you it's in the middle of nowhere it's where where defiant run bowlers exhibition center it's for me it's it's about half an hour 40 minute drive from a house so i can't complain at all but they say manchester it's not really manchester Mm. um so it's a bit a bit of an odd place to travel to but again a place i had a good weekend at um as a con it was there was really only one big main room which had the merch stalls and the main stage that had the live shows that you mentioned about there. Um, and then a separate room with uh, with the wrestling shows going on. So once you got there, it was kind of like, oh, well, 
this this is it then um <laughs> and it was kind of like they had stalls but the, the the ones that were you know there was an impact set up which was interesting jeff jarrett weasels his way into everything he was there with his global force wrestling stall that looked a little bit quiet across the weekend but i definitely saw a lot of people getting photos with him as well it just felt like it was missing the buzz of you know i've heard you've Isn't done jeff jarrett suing impact uh, that, that was quite awkward wasn't it they, they were set up right across from each other and yet <laughs> there was a point where jarrett was when the there was a live impact show and ed nold home was wandering about and jarrett was in the room as well and i was thinking this could all kick off here it didn't <laughs> but it was all a bit weird yeah but i was gonna say yeah you've done um wrestling have you done wrestlecon when you've been in america for mania um, I've it done, I've done the wrestling like shows, but obviously the sort of like convention aspect of it with all the wrestlers is usually in either a separate room of the hotel or a separate building, and I've not really done that bit. But I've done um, a variety of uh, sort of like London film and comic con, and it's weird with these things, isn't it? Because it's all in one gigantic room, and it all just feels a bit cold, doesn't it? And everything's on yeah. the same floor, so some of the Q&As and stuff can be interrupted by noise from uh, the rest of the building. So it, it can all just be a bit cold and awkward can't it? i imagine this was uh, along the same lines yeah that's what that's the, that's exactly it there'd the be like a, a live show going on like i walked in when dave Meltzer and pat patterson were on stage and it was awkward anyway because pat patterson was shouting at the crowd to give him some reaction because mm. uh, he was a bit quiet for his tastes but yeah that's kind of going on a few feet from you and then like say the autograph type or photo type tables are all right there as well and it's a big place i, I do think you could separate it off but that's a you know that's the type of mind i think it's the first i, I talk to people who go to comic cons all the time and the, the first ones are you know you've said yourself haven't you they're often like this where it's you know maybe there are lessons to be learned for future yeah cons that's and the to, thing you can't you can't you know every eventuality can you you know you've got no. to you got some teething problems for your first one Exactly, yeah. And, you know, there's, there's less definitely lessons to learn. I think they went too hard on trying to appeal to, well, hardcore wrestling fans like us because mm. I kind of got there and I hadn't really thought about it until I got there. But the big stars there were Dave Meltzer, Cult Cabana, I suppose Jeff Jarrett. Um, obviously, the impact on the Rev Pro show is going on as well. But it's not like they, I think they could have attracted a, maybe a different kind of wrestling fan with having maybe some 80s or, or 90s names, you know, WWE style names uh, to stand there, you know, a, a Jake the Snake type to, to stand around, you know, that type of that type of legend i think it needed or it just didn't it it didn't feel like they they were appealing to a broad I section suppose of wrestling Pat was supposed to be there wasn't he originally yeah i suppose there's that and he was, was supposed to be alive so so yeah i'll give them that but yeah I, I, I do think they needed a bit more than you know what they had which was a lot of emphasis on the cultaholic type guys the wrestle talk stuff and and dave melter and stuff uh, dave melter himself i mean i had a good weekend i, I think the as far as panels go, uh, the Botchamania panel wasn't the best. That was one that suffered from the, the sound problems. But I enjoyed the NWA panel. I enjoyed the Hall of Fame. I thought that was that was a lot of fun. Um, it was a bit, again, being in the big main room with not a lot of seat in there, it was a bit of a, I don't know, it wasn't the most impressive Hall of Fame that I've seen. It, it, but it was... I mean, where else is Finn Martin going to get honoured, being honest, you know, for his yeah. contributions and to Power Slam? he deserves it, doesn't he? You can't talk to anyone in the UK wrestling industry who's not been oh, like, heavily influenced not. by him or, you know, got into wrestling more because of his magazine, Power Slam. That's it, yeah. You know, getting him to getting to see up, him up there doing a big speech talking about the fact that, you know, his, his best years were the mid-2000s and he was talking about how one night only felt like a, a cultural shift that, you know, started kind of that Power Slam generation and, yeah, like you say, created... Hardcore fans like me and you, you know, before we had the Observer, we had Power Slam, didn't we? It was massive in this country. Um, so it was cool that, you know, he got to get on it. Where else would that happen? Uh, to hear the story of a Martin Goldsmith, he put together SummerSlam 92, you know, a story that I wasn't aware of until this weekend. You know, it was fun to see. And and Dave Meltzer gave a, a genuinely impassioned speech uh, about, his, you know, his parents and about Brian Alvarez being there for him at hard times in his life and just talking about, you know, the, the different people who've influenced his style and, and talking about, you know, his career as a journalist and, you know, accepting, you know, what his position is now uh, in wrestling law. All of that stuff was really good. I would say that the Hall of Fame was a big highlight for me. That's something, if they do another a con and it sounds like they're going to try again next year, that's the type of stuff I, I want to see more of. Um, you know, the live podcast and stuff, Art of Wrestling was solid. Um, Wrestle Talk. Who did he have on his guests then? Who did Colt Cabana have as his guest for the Art of Wrestling one? 
it was basically everyone that was there. I mean, right. it ended with, with Dave. It, the funny thing was it ended with Dave Meltzer. Uh, and Dave Meltzer kind of did an interview with Colt Cabana. And then two minutes later, Dave Meltzer was back on stage being inter- in, <laughs> interviewed by Inside the Ropes, um, which was funny because uh, Kenny McIntosh asked them about that WWE intermission uh, show running that they had all those uh, months ago and about star ratings and stuff. So, but it was... I think that's that's probably a good point to raise. It, it was a little bit repetitive in, in that regard mm. that it was a lot of the same guys there. But yeah, you know, WrestleTalk versus Cultaholic was a live panel he had, and that did draw a crowd. That was the busier, one of the busier live ones that I've seen. So there are people who will travel. I just think you maybe need other people to, to travel for a con to, to make it a big success. But who am I to say? Justin Liger was standing on chairs and tables during the, the WrestleCon Cultaholic bit. He seemed to be having a great time. And the, uh, the ITV World of Sport panel had a decent crowd as well so there's definitely nuggets of of stuff that you can do as as a con um and things that i'll bring back next time but yeah i think for me it didn't feel like there was much more in the building than maybe 600 people um and it's a big old building uh so i do think yeah there's plenty of room for improvement and and there there are i think there are ways to bring in a a bit of a, a broader audience than was there well, yeah, that's the thing, and I don't think the location helped it. I looked, um, obviously, I only live in Sheffield, which is very near to Manchester, and it would have taken me, like, you know, an hour to drive, but I didn't really feel like driving. I looked at public transport, and it was something like two and a half hours or whatever to get there, and it was all like, you know, get this train, then get this bus, then you'll have to get a taxi, and then all this, and I was like, God, that just looks like the biggest pain in the ass. So, you know, I know, obviously, this place is a lot cheaper than anything, sort of, like, in the city centre of Manchester, but that surely has got to have affected the uh, attendance hasn't it definitely and i think i mean we're going to talk about you know some of the wrestling shows that were going on at the weekend but it kind of may be for you know the rev pro shows that were happening over the weekend there was only about i would guess 400 people i know in the observer it said up to 600 it didn't feel like that to me but that's the kind of show that i think if it was separate from this con and it was booked in manchester city center at a I don't want to say, but proper venue, you know, a venue that people know and a venue that people can get to easily, then that would have done twice as many people or, you know, at least a a couple hundred more. Um, Yeah, I think the the location really was going against it. And yeah, if, if I was them, I'd be looking for something a bit more central next time. Oh, you mentioned it there. One of the big, that was one of the big events of the weekend. And obviously the first British J Cup last year, uh, was one of the events of 2017. Certainly one of my favorite shows. And, um, the stretch it out to two nights had a pretty decent lineup, but, um, I've not really had that many great things about it, Benner. What was it? Was the atmosphere? Was it the, you know, the matches, mm. the room? What, what was it that, uh, made it lacking compared to last year's? I think just part being part of a con show. Like you say it uh it's going to be a tired crowd because they've seen a few you know stand-up type shows throughout the day and it's a long day it's a long two days and it's going to be people who aren't specifically there for the show are either there because i mean some people are i know a few people who came just for the rev pro shows but you know a lot of it's people you've just got the wristbands so they're coming in and out and they're not, you know, hugely interested in Rev Pro. It was one of those things where, as well, I mean, the wrestling was solid, but there wasn't particularly anything hugely to write home about. Again, not a show that I'm surprised I'm saying it with the lineup, but not a show I tell people to run out and check out. Maybe a couple of matches here and there, a couple of the non-tournament tags were were strong. Um, but yeah, just something didn't really click over the weekend. I think the 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 big plan the promotion had was to get El Fantasmo over. I think um, I think that you know the idea of he's had a great 2018. Yeah. Let's put him over and have him win the J Cup. And he had a good couple of days, but it was in front of a crowd that maybe weren't entirely familiar with him, on entirely rare pro fans. So you know the fact in his run to the final he beat Bandido, he beat Liger, Justin Liger in, in a match that that should have felt like a, a bigger moment than it did. And winning the final, I think, should have felt like a, a bigger moment than it did for him. But it was all just a little bit flat, enjoyable, fun, you know, a good thing to have as as, as part of a, a con like this. But yeah. I, I don't think, yeah, probably not what RevPro were, were envisioning when they decided to, to, to bring the, the J-Cup up north. 
Yeah, you can imagine if this was uh, back at Walthamstow or York Hall, like, um, you know, the atmosphere would have been a lot better and uh, maybe sort of like that might have, uh, you know, inspired some of the wrestlers uh, to, you know, maybe have some better matches. But yeah, I think El Fantasmo is someone who came over here from uh, Canada and wasn't, you know, people weren't that impressed with him, but I think he slowly won everyone over, especially me. I think he's he's a really deserving winner of the Jacob and it's good to see, uh, you know, Red Pro game behind him. Definitely, yeah. He's who I would have chosen as well. Um, again, Jamie didn't happen elsewhere, but yeah, they've they've set up good things for him. You can you know you can do the big match with David Starr now. That'll happen at a you know proper Rev Pro venue, and it'll get over. And if he does become you know cruiserweight champion, then that'll that'll be a big deal, and it'll be earned as well. Like you said, he's had a he's had a great year. Um, so it made sense as a business decision to do. But yeah, he felt like the big winner coming out of of the weekend, if if you could call it one, because there wasn't a huge amount else memorable from the tournament, like Rich. Swan looked good across the couple of days. Dean Ormark, it was kind of cool to see him in Rev yeah. Pro. He can still go. He's someone who can kind of he can do that. Um, he can do the camp style, Carney. But as as you see him, if you've ever been to a PCW show, you can see he can go as well. He can keep up with the the moves style wrestlers as well. Um, so it was kind of as an experiment, getting to see getting to see him in a Rev Pro environment was enjoyable, and they carried on some storyline stuff as well. I, I thought David Starr and kind of played a good heel across the weekend. They paid off his mini feud with uh, with Tiger Mask from SSE UK. Uh, with him beating Tiger Mask and, and pulling his mask off, and they set up some stuff with Kushida where he lost to Kushida in the in the opening rounds of the tournament, and then cost Kushida the final as well, setting up a you know a big match along the line as well. So they did some good things there as far far as setting stuff up. But yeah, the, the tournament wasn't hugely memorable. It was more a weekend of maybe the non-tournament matches. You know, there was a CCK versus Ring Camp tag that was really good. Um, a little bit. Uh, flat at times with the crowd as a lot of things were across the weekend but still strong and there was an interest in ring camp and lax tag match as well which is again a match that you wouldn't often get to see yeah. elsewhere um and, oh yeah aussie open and flamita and bandido had another good tag as well so three tags there that were really strong but again you know probably knock a star off just because the crowd were mm. were not particularly uh into it and the the big moments maybe could have been a little, played out a little bit better if you you did have a more lively crowd. Well, the other major uh, wrestling show of the uh, of that weekend was uh, Impact Wrestling, wasn't it? And this actually screened a couple of nights later on uh, Showcase TV. They're uh, showing essentially the home of uh, Fight Network UK, and uh, yeah, that screened on there. And I managed to catch uh, a bit of it. I managed to catch the. Uh, Jody Fleisch and Johnny Storm the LAX match, a really, really enjoyable match. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. It was. I mean, I would probably say this was the show of the weekend. Um, I mean, I enjoyed the Jacob shows, but yeah, Impact was the one show where if anyone watched it on Twitch and you know, you say you've seen the Johnny and Jody match where people did come alive and yeah, that Johnny and Jody match did feel like it was the moment as well uh, where that happened. Just Johnny and Josie. I mean, we've been watching them do this stuff, haven't we, since Day before dot. the... Yeah. I was going to say the <laughs> early 2000s, but it's the late 90s, isn't it? It's just the fact that they can still go, the fact that they're both still in the in the 30s uh, is, is nuts. You know, you, you, I think of them and imagine them being, you know, in the mid-40s or something at this point, but they're still at an age where they can go and they can keep up with a team like LAX and Jody can do his ridiculous spin wheel kicks and and moon salts. It's been two decades, and they yeah. they can still pull this stuff off. I mean, LAX looked like they had a, a lot of respect for them as well, didn't they? It was just a match where yeah they were they were happy to be in there with two maybe underground legends, and and Johnny and Jody were were well up for the opportunity. Um, any other highlights from that show for you then? Yeah, I'd say that um, the main event was uh, Sammy Callahan and Jimmy Havoc. Uh, your mileage may vary it being a a death match, um, but the, the fans in the building loved it. Uh, I think Sammy Callahan's someone who he's taken advantage of his, his impact opportunities. Not someone who you would have thought would be the the top guy in TNA, um, but desperate times call for desperate measures, and he's really gotten himself over with great character work and and big matches like this, and and the one he had the, the couple that he had with with Pentagon in a similar style. So that was really memorable. Uh, I would say from a British perspective that. Uh, Lana Austin looked good against Sue Young. Um, she was there to be the local talent, but I did think that she stepped up. Uh, poor Joe Henry got booed out the building because he was in there with Eli Drake, which is an odd one. Eli Drake being a heel normally on Impact, but yeah. uh, and Joe Henry was kind of 
across the weekend. He was presenting a lot of stuff on the main stage, so you would have thought he'd get a, a good reaction, but I don't know, maybe uh, people were behind on their impact taping because there was a he was he was teasing turning on Grey, though he never quite did. Uh, maybe that's the the reason he got a bit booed. So that was a bit of a shame for him and a, not a great match. But again, from a British perspective as well, I thought I don't know if these are names that are on your radar. Uh, Jacob McCluskey, McCluskey, and Lucas Steele. I think McCluskey is an old FWA guy. Lucas Steele works a lot of NGW. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, it, um, is he the big guy? Luke. He is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a look. He really has. Um, yeah, they, they had a match with uh, Adam Maxted and and Robbie X, um, who we talked about on ITV World of Sport. It was the one match on the card that had no impact people in whatsoever, and I, it went a little bit long for my taste. And I was kind of thinking, oh, they're going to struggle here with a, a crowd that do want to see impact in their grand return to the UK. But it, it got over. It really did. Robbie X flying all over the place looked good, and McCluskey and Steel for their part, two men who had not seen a lot in the past look good as well and made a good account of themselves and maybe gave impact something to to think about sir uh, with regards you know bringing in british guys and maybe setting up more of a, a british base which they, they've had in the past and uh, it was good even if it was at this con uh, that they were back trying to, to regalvanize and do because yeah there there are a few bits of talent there that were on this show including jody and johnny as well that yeah could have talked their way into maybe more stuff with impact in future yeah, because obviously I think Joe Hendry and uh, Grado are the only two sort of like uh, British guys on Impact now, aren't they? So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if you fetch more guys in. And um, obviously this is the first time Rich Swan's been back over here since obviously all the controversy. Did everything go smoothly with him over the weekend? It did not, no. Um, he was he, he had a few matches on the, uh, the J-Cup. He was there throughout. He had really good matches. There were a couple of points where people walked out during his matches because it's Rich Swan and he has the the allegation uh, against him with, with Sue Young. Um, and there was a point during his impact match where somebody from the crowd shouted wife beater um, at him and Rich Swan lost his cool, uh, which wasn't a good look, especially being live on Twitch as well and him throwing guardrails about and, well, not throwing them up, but banging them up and down and screaming into the crowd, effing and blinding. It probably would have been better that he walked away. Mm. Um, it was, yeah, it was just, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's a, it's a really sticky situation. We probably don't have time to go into the weeds on, yeah, but yeah. it's all, it's all a bit awkward with, you know, Rich Swan is in the ring and Sue Young, who is his, his partner, who's asked people to leave them alone, is stood in the crowd as well while this is, this is all going on. Um, all a bit, yeah, unnecessary and a bit of a, a bit of a, a dark spot on the on the on the show itself, um, but yeah, he had a he did have a good uh, weekend in ring. Rich one, um, just a shame that yeah, some of that stuff uh, came back to to haunt and uh, and is always going to be something that's on the on the back of people's minds, whether that's uh, right or wrong. So yeah, all in all, it did sound like a good weekend. Just uh, I think for it, it would be a shame if this is the only one. I think um, if they change the location, perhaps uh, somewhere a bit more central, not necessarily in Manchester, but they, if they had it in a city centre, I know it's all right. Me saying that, you know, I haven't got the budget to work with or anything. But yeah, and then obviously by the sounds of it, you know, it sounds like uh, more separate areas, sort of like have the stages in either separate rooms or have some kind of like you know wall around it or something. It sounds like the way forward. And maybe um, a few more names to draw in some casuals. Would you say that's a fair uh, assessment if they're moving forward? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think there's a, a nugget of a, a really good idea there. I think they may be found on this weekend that maybe at least for a location like this, there's a limit on the amount of quote-unquote hardcore fans that you, you're going to get in based on a lineup like this. So, yeah, I think broaden the lineup a little bit maybe do a little bit more that might bring in more casual fans who just want to get a photograph with a, an ex-WWE star or, you know, things of that nature. And yeah, separate it out a little bit. And maybe uh, I think if they do have to use this venue again, maybe it comes really, really cheap. If they spread it out a little bit, used a bit more of the space, um, I think it would be maybe a, I don't know, a, a, there'd be more to see and it'd be a, a more enjoyable weekend all in all um but yeah certainly it's an idea and it, it's cool that you know something like this is happening in the uk um but yeah plenty of room to improve and uh yeah plenty of ways to diversify if they if they do uh, do another one next year and um i mean some listeners may remember a few shows ago Benno and ollie discussed the emergence of the wrestling scene in spain and uh not really known in recent history for its wrestling um there have been promotions popping up uh, around the country and Wrestlers such as Adam Chase, who now goes by Carlos Romo, 
and uh, and a kid uh, have been appearing for promotions in the UK, and uh, one of the promotions that's been getting a lot of chatter is uh, La Triple W or White Wolf Wrestling, and a uh, friend of the show, Mark Buckledy, headed over to Madrid this past weekend to check out the latest show from Triple W and sent us this uh, review in. Hi, my name is Mark Buckledy. Uh, I'm also known on Twitter under the handle of Monkey Buckles. And I occasionally write wrestling reviews and articles on adventures in poor taste. This past weekend, I flew to Madrid for White Wolf Wrestling's Invincible show. This was the first show of the season for White Wolf Wrestling, as they shut down over the summer months. Basically, I went into this show knowing only three guys on the card. And that was Jordan Devlin, A-Kid and Carlos Romo, who used to go by Adam Chase. Um... So I got to the show, the first thing is, it was a free show, and it was absolutely packed. I'm not good at guessing numbers, but easily 300 I reckon. I've seen numbers saying 600 and I wouldn't doubt it. Um, What was nice was, uh, the venue basically has a lot of cool street art inside, they had a decent merch area, Uh, shirts were really cheap, 7 euros I think, and drinks, non-alcoholic drinks were about um, 1 euro, which is quite good so even before the show it was loud um i can't remember a wrestling show before anything started where it was as loud um generally it felt a lot like a british indie uh short show so six matches and a dark match uh what i loved was every match except the main event felt like it was very clear heel or face which for someone that couldn't speak Spanish didn't follow the promotion went in blind is perfectly pitched um, some of the matches some of the guys basically can tell are learning and that and that's fine that's perfectly fine three matches really stood out to me uh, the first one was an extreme title match uh, and that was uh, Rookie challenging Junker who was the champion and it was a fans bring the weapons match and it was basically it was just a fun brawl we had a bug zapper we had uh, metal bacon tray shots had an awesome looking shot where basically someone took a jigsaw puzzle to the head and it looked brilliant uh rookie basically came out to the ring to i want it all with a metal bucket full of beers for the fans it, felt like to me like a, a mix of ECW Sandman and Ken Oka of uh, DDPT basically um, the it was a good match but the next best match to me was A-Kid versus Jason Jupiter A-Kid basically he's a heel at the moment in White Wolf and he's a brilliant heel he's got that cocky aggressive but also insecure element, and it was brilliant. I've never seen Jason Jupiter, and honestly, I really liked it. Him and A-Kid work really well together, and honestly, I would love to see that match in the UK. Um, The main event and match of the night was Jordan Devlin versus Carlos Romo. I love Devlin. I've... uh, been over to OTT three times and I think he's one of the best in Europe at the moment and Romo looked really good and basically they had a great little match Um, it had that indie formula of a little bit of leg work that got forgotten occasionally but the action was great the counters were great and the crowd were in on it for me the biggest tick on this show was the crowd they were so hot throughout most of it. It could have been where I was standing because I was in quite a vocal section, but it just felt really hot. They were really into it. Even when the matches weren't amazing, they got behind the faces. They booed the heels. Um, quite frankly, it was a great atmosphere and it was well worth going into me. So for anyone that's interested, if you see the card or you see a couple of matches and you like the look of it go because quite frankly madrid's a lovely city to do a weekend break in the venue's nice uh well not the nicest but it's fairly easy to get to and quite frankly i highly recommend it i know i'll be going back at some point
Thanks to Mark for that. Um, Beno, I mean, Spain's not usually somewhere you'd really associate with wrestling in Europe, but um, seems to have uh, quite the burgeoning scene over there, don't they? It does, and yeah, from you know, Mark's a good friend of mine, and hearing his story, he's somebody he travels a lot to wrestling shows. So I'll, I'll take his opinion as gospel. Uh, he's been to all kinds of weird and wonderful shows in Japan, <laughs> uh, and all kinds of shows across Europe. So yeah, he's someone who knows his eggs, and yeah, he's him raving about it, and other people raving about it, and just seeing it, it does look like a, a fun little scene to to go out and, and travel to. It's uh, it'd be a difficult one trying to convince my girlfriend while we were going to Spain, and we we weren't just going to the beach we were going to go see some wrestling uh that might be my biggest barrier to to heading out there uh, but it does feel like yeah it's the it's the next thing to blow up and we're here in rumblings right now but yeah some of those guys you know the likes of a kid people like that are, are people that i think are, are, are going to be the next big names in european wrestling um and it's cool that yeah people are getting in on the ground floor and already traveling out to their shows um yeah it'd be a fun uh, weekend thing to do but yeah i can't uh, can't guarantee i'd be able to make the the trip out anytime soon well yes it's interesting because you're hardly talking about you know horrible places here right yeah i think you know (laughs) madrid and barcelona are certainly places that you (laughs) won't mind heading over for a a couple of weekends every year so yeah it's certainly something that'll come on my radar especially with these cheap flights you can get from the likes of leeds bradford and that so it could be (laughs) cheaper than going to london in it yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, there's that as well. And, uh, yeah, so thanks to Marky I'm sending that report in. And um, moving on to some news now. And uh, Walter, it's been reported by Dave Meltzer recently, the WWE are interested in signing uh, Walter again to a contract similar to the ones Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate have already got, where he'd appear on the NXT UK shows, maybe some NXT events in the States, um, and also sort of WWE-approved European indies. And, uh, I mean, this is not the first time we've discussed uh, Walter maybe being signed up by WWE Benno. Yeah, it's concerning, isn't it? I mean, I just don't want to see it happen. If it's a deal like like we're talking and... NXT UK style deal I can somewhat live with it but it means he's he's out from RevPro and it means potentially he loses that connection of being able to you know work the likes of Avishi and, and and maybe have a a route to New Japan he, he makes no secret about it if you if anyone follows him on Instagram whenever he does like a Q&A there's always a WWE or New Japan question that comes up and he's always very firmly on I'm a New Japan fan you know he, he's a guy who, who prefers that style so I'd rather see him on that side of the the ongoing mm-hmm. wars that are happening. Um, but yeah, it's like if I think there were there was rumor, wasn't there? You know, around the time of Keith Lee of him potentially um, going to WWE. At that point, it hasn't happened. This feels like an offer that you know might suit him better. He could continue on doing his WXW stuff because obviously he's not just a wrestler there. He does a, a lot of work backstage as well. It's uh, it's something he's obviously very prideful in. Um, so it give him the opportunity to do that, and I suppose he can carry on work in progress, and it feels like he can probably carry on work in OTT, so I suppose maybe there's a still a New Japan connection in some form there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. He's someone who I, I, I like him being the, the top legitimate indie name and someone who, you know, selfishly, uh, I want to see him in Japan. I want to see him go to New Japan. I want to see him have those kinds of matches, have more matches with Ishii, you know, um, maybe this time over in Japan. So, yeah, I think it'd be a shame if he signs because I could see it working for him, um, especially, you know, on NXT UK. Um, but I think there's there's much brighter things and much more interesting things he could do, like I say, on the on the New Japan side and on the on the indie side. Yeah, you would say someone like Walter is much more suited for sort of like staying where he is and mm. doing uh, and doing sort of like if he can get through Red Pro into New Japan, you'd think that bit that suit him more. And obviously these are all just rumours. This isn't anything just speculation, isn't it? But it also makes me think about his former ring camp for tag team partner Axel Dieter Jr. who's now at Marcel Well, exactly, Marcel <laughs> Bar- Barthel is it from NXT and it's like what Never the fuck has what the fuck has happened to him? You know, has he <laughs> even done anything? I know he's he's got he's got he's such a pretty man. He's got a great look. He's got charisma. He can wrestle, and he just kind of. I think the problem with NXT they've got just a, a bevy of talents, haven't they? That yeah, they just it's never really happened for him. But at least not yet. Um, probably it will at some point. But yeah, I'd hate for that to happen to Walter. At least if it was a a UK deal, we'd still get to see him. Um, and yeah, like you say, it's a style thing as well. Just with Walter, I mean, the chops would have to go, wouldn't he? I mean, mm. I can't see that being allowed. Them do. I know Big Show used to do 
you know, big chops, but not to the to the extent yeah. that Walter does. <laughs> Um, and that's a big part of it. I know it's not everything, but it's a big part of his arsenal. Uh, yeah, I just don't want to see him do that style. It's like, you know, we were just talking about Impact Pentagon. There's been a lot of rumors about him going to WWE. The, the last thing that I'd want to see a Pentagon do is go to WWE because his it, it, best attributes, the, the way he talks in Spanish, the way he wrestles, everything about him would get stripped away in WWE. And I think Walter would kind of be the same. I just don't think you'd get this serious... Uh, ring general style wrestler i think they'd have to add a few more bells and whistles and they probably strip them some things away as well so yeah you know if, if he if he can get the money at this stage in his career and that's what he wants good for him and if it means he can still work wxw good for him but i can't say i want to see it no exactly and um some other small notes uh before we get out of here uh ott and red pro have been making um, a number of announcements for their uh Big shows they've got coming up in October. Uh, Red Pro announced uh, that Global Wars will be coming up uh, and that'll feature uh, the rematch uh, for the Red Pro title. Tomohiro Ishii taking on Minoru Suzuki and it'll also feature David Starr taking on Kushida for the British Cruiserweight Championship. And uh, looking like a stacked uh, lineup for uh, the uh, next um, Global Wars show, Benno. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, cool that they're doing the talent sharing thing with OTT and you know, Ishii and Suzuki happened up north uh, in Manchester, so cool that the you know the fans down south are getting to see it. It's probably only really happening because they couldn't put Walter over Ishii when uh, Ishii had that impending Kenny Omega title match. That's now done, so I think Ishii's uh, open to to losing again, and will probably lose to Suzuki here. But yeah, I'm sure it'll be another great match. And Kashida and David Starr was a a match, like I said, that was set up over the J-Cut weekend. So that's another good story-based match for David Starr to sink his teeth into. And yeah, I'm glad that, you know, as long as if Walter does stay independent, great to see Ring Camp teaming up in in RevPro again, him and Tim Thatcher against LIJ. I think that'll be solid too. Um, I'm not as positive on Naito and Brooks. I saw people raving about that happening. I've not seen anything in Chris Brooks as a singles wrestler that makes me excited about that match. But I don't know, your mileage may vary. And um, an OTT are obviously using a lot of the similar talent. They've got the um, the rematch of Osprey and Walter that you obviously saw live at Defiant um, a couple of weeks ago. Then they've got uh, Minoru Suzuki taking on uh, Tim Thatcher, so that should be uh, quite a bomb burner. Um, you've got Kashida taking on Ishii, and then we've got uh, Lij. Is it um, Evil Naito and Sonata taking on the team of uh, Shane Strickland, Flamita and Bandido? So yeah, I mean. Quite the stacked uh, weekend that's going to be for uh, OTT and Red Pro. Definitely, yeah. I think uh, I, I kind of feel like we t- started the show talking about live bands. I feel like that guy who saw the the the, the act while he was still in the I saw Osprey and Walter before it was cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys are going to get to see an OTT. Now. I do think that Defiant match is getting a little bit of traction now, but this will be something else. I think the atmosphere will be much better for this, and if the works anything like the Defiant match, it'll be great. And yeah, I do think looking at these two cards side by side, I think OTT win. I think uh, I think the OTT matches are, a, to me at least, I, I find them a lot more interesting. Osprey and Walter again. Suzuki and Tim Thatcher. You know, if you're into that style of wrestling, that's a big match. Mm. Kushida and Ishii. You know, you don't often see Kushida mixing it up with the heavyweights. And that's a really interesting match for, for OTT to be able to, to get the hands on. And yeah, as you mentioned, that, that six-man with LIJ and getting to see Bandido and Flamita in there. It does feel to me like OTT have got... But the slightly more compelling card there, but certainly two big cards happening that weekend, and yeah, two uh, great places to to get to. And um, be sure to head over to postwrestling.com, check out all the rest of the shows, and of course the Post Wrestling Forum. Leave us all your feedback for this week's show or any of our other shows. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back on the third of October to talk uh, Attack Pro Wrestling making their debut in London. That's happening tonight as uh, we record this, and uh, we're going to preview the huge WXW Tag League tournament. So uh, definitely a lot to talk about. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>